a couple of housekeeping things before we dive in to our passage of Scripture this morning. Easter Sunday is next Sunday, and I'm so proud to be a part of this church. The growth that we've experienced in this first year and a half of a church has been just absolutely amazing. Uh, And just a few quick questions. How many of you originally came to Prodigal Church because you saw signs out on the corner of Browning and Palm here or the trailer that we have out there? Raise your hand. You saw signs, okay, several of you, great. How many of you came because you first saw something on social media or our website? Okay, a few of you. How many of you came because someone invited you? Okay. Uh, Every Sunday is a good Sunday to invite someone, but Easter Sunday, there is a particular openness to the things of God. And so we want want to encourage you. We're praying for a revelation of invitation. We are praying that uh, that we bring our peeps next Sunday. That uh, the family and friends that we love and care about, they, this, is, this, this place has been a blessing to me, and I think it would really bless you and your family, and come and check it out on Easter Sunday. We're just going to have an absolute amazing time, and there's this huge egg hunt that we're having at 1030, and there's photo booths for your families, and, um, and we want to encourage you, if Prodigal Church is your home, we want to encourage you to serve one and attend one. Serve one. Uh, help out in our PC kids or set up or tear down or egg hunt or greeting or passing out brochures, whatever it is, uh, serve one and then invite others to attend the, uh, the other service with you um, and your family. So we want to encourage you guys to do that next week. It's just going to be amazing. Be praying for it. Uh, we anticipate nearly 800 people um, next Sunday. Second housekeeping item, Maddie mentioned this in the announcements, but I want to spend just a few minutes on it. Um, and it's a fun one to talk about at church, giving. Uh, now, over the years, whenever I tell someone what I do for a living, they, uh, lots of people ask, how does that work? Like, like is there a corporation or like, like a denomination that like, like pays you? Or does God pay you? Or like, does, like, how does the church pay you? And I'm always very happy to tell them how I get paid is through the generosity of the people in our church. Uh, Not only that, but that's how we pay for this facility every Sunday morning. That's how we pay for our children's staff. It's how we pay for uh, our worship team and our worship staff. It's how we get coffee and donuts on Sunday mornings. It is only through the faithful and consistent giving of the people of God. You, that's, you are the reason why we're able to do what we do. Uh, The ministry, the events, the support we have for missionaries in Malawi, Africa, it's through your giving. And when a family in our church or in our city has fallen on hard times and they ask the church, um, is there something you can do to help? Uh, When we we write rent checks or when we write PG&E checks or when we write checks to hospital bills, um, it's because of your faithful generosity to Prodigal that we're able to do that. So thank you so much for your generous giving to our church. It has made a kingdom difference. It is making a kingdom difference, and it will make a difference uh, for the future of God's kingdom here at Prodigal. And if you love this place and you want us to continue to offer more and more ministry and events, I want to ask, would you consider tithing 10% of your income to Prodigal? Uh, We have a big vision to build a place that is Jesus-centered, kingdom-focused, a place where you belong before you believe, where you can be honest about your doubts and your questions about faith, a place that reaches both the religious— and also the rebellious, as Jesus invites both into the party. Uh, Your generosity makes this place a reality. And so uh, 
we just want to encourage you for that. And your giving helps us point nearly 800 people that we expect next week to the hope found on Resurrection Sunday. And now, Hosanna. Hosanna. As we begin Holy Week, I, I want to share a story. Hosanna means, Lord, save us. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, there was this song called Hosanna that, that we would sing. And I, I remember students going up going, who's Anna? You know, and they're like, who's Anna? And they're, they, I get it. It's a weird word. It's a spiritual churchy word. What does it mean? It means Lord save us. Lord save us. It's taken from Psalm 118. And it was an acknowledgement of power as well as petition. It was a prayer of deliverance. For God's salvation to reign. And often they, they, they would have, whoever was occupying Israel at the time, they were saying salvation from them, from the bad guys. Uh, that song, Hosanna, uh, this is it right here. It came out several years ago. You might recognize it. There might be times throughout the service that I'm actually singing this song. It won't be as pretty as that. Bear with me. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Now, I'm going to tell you the Palm Sunday story, but I'm going to do it from three directions, three perspectives. First, ahead, then behind, then now. Ahead, those who are ahead of Jesus as he enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Behind, those who are behind Jesus, following him into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And then now, where are you? Where are we in this story? So first, ahead. You now are a first century Jewish teenager, okay? Some of you are very excited to be a teenager again. Uh, and you're living in a small town outs on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And you and your family have lived there for generations. You're a faithful Jew. You attend the synagogue. You observe the Sabbath and the holidays. Oh, the holidays. The Jewish holidays are where it's at. And you live next to Jerusalem the center of all the action. That's like Times Square on New Year's. That's like Mardi Gras uh, in, in New Orleans. That's like North Pole Christmas. The Passover is just about to start, and it's the biggest party of the year. A half a million Jews from all over come into the city, your city, to celebrate the Passover for a week-long party, remembering what the Lord did 1,500 years before. And the party starts on a Sunday, and it ends on a Sunday. But this year, there's something brewing. As you and your family enter into the city, you start hearing murmurings about something. Not necessarily something, but someone. Everybody's talking. Now, this is before the internet. This is before text message. This is before billboards painted across highways. So for everyone to be talking about someone, it had to have really gone viral back in the ancient world. Uh, everybody's sharing it with one another. So you see a Roman soldier and you brush past the people and you ask, hey, excuse me, sir, um, what's everybody talking about? What, what, what's happening? What's going on? And the Roman soldier says, well, you haven't heard? Apparently, some Jewish rabbi named Jesus is on his way to the city right now. Uh, and he's turned into some kind of a folk hero for you guys. Some may even say a king. And your face immediately lights up because you know him. Like, not know him, know him, but there was this one time a couple years ago and so then you begin to tell the story to the Roman soldier. You go, a couple years ago, there's this crippled woman who lives in the village next to ours. She was crippled for 18 years, like hunched over, like Quasimodo, hunched back in Notre Dame. And everybody around town knew her. 
and her house wasn't too far from the synagogue, and the rumors were that she had done some pretty bad stuff because her disability was actually a sign of God's curse. And so everybody kind of stayed away from her. And her son was the only one who took care of her. There was no man in her life, which led to even more speculation of her wrongdoings. See, you were friends with her son. You sat next to each other in synagogue. And so his mom, the crippled woman, would, would never go to synagogue. Everybody said that she was a sinner, and that's why she didn't come. But she was always super nice to you. She didn't seem like a terrible sinner. And one day there was a guest speaker at the synagogue. And his name was Jesus. And he spoke with power. He spoke with authority. And he, he spoke with, uh, you don't know how to say it, he spoke with love. And after he was done, everybody kind of crowded around him and he said, I must be going. And, but, but you and your friend decide to follow him at a distance so he doesn't know. And, and as you follow him and his disciples, you become convinced that he knows you're following him because he goes to your buddy's house, right to your buddy's house. And he stands in the courtyard and you're watching with your friend behind the fence. What's he gonna do? What's he gonna say? And he stands in the courtyard and he declares to the door, peace be with you. And the crippled woman walks outside just moving slowly but with purpose as if she knew something that you didn't. And she walks outside. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and he said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and she immediately straightened up and praised God. She praised God. It's not something sinners do. She starts jumping up and down, and, and, and you were right there. And then your friend outed you because he goes from behind the fence and runs and jumps into his mom's arms. She caught him. She actually caught him, and she lifted him up, spun him around like Patrick Swayze in Dirty Dancing. Just, just. This crippled woman lifting her boy. And his mother and son cried. Jesus began to walk away. And then your eyes met. He did see you. And now, since that day, you're like, will I ever see him again? And you go back to the Roman soldier and you say, and you're saying this Jesus is on his way here to celebrate Passover? Now the Roman soldier, who seemed uninterested just moments before, grabbed you by the arm and said, let's go see him then. And now you've got like a fast pass through the crowds because a Roman soldier has this shield and he's kind of nudging people off to the side. He's holding your hand and you're making your way to the area where you hear singing. The crowds were getting louder so you knew you were getting close. And as you approached, you saw hundreds of coats on the ground, cloaks, people throwing palm branches down on the road, coats and palms adorned this dirty road to Jerusalem. And everyone was singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And you still couldn't see him. But you began to sing too. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And to your surprise, your new friend, the Roman soldier, starts singing too. 
And as he pushed his way through the crowds, you ended up in the middle of the road on top of the palms and the coats. And there was Jesus riding on a donkey. And immediately the Roman soldier turns around and walks away. And you, you, you're like, where are you going? He's almost here. He said, that's no king. True kings don't ride donkeys. They ride black stallions adorned with shields of gold, silver, and precious stones. That's no kings. I've seen a king enter a city before. That's not what it looks like. And he left through the crowds. You never saw him again. But you continued to sing, Hosanna. And you ripped off a palm branch and you waved it to get his attention. Jesus, Jesus. And he saw you. And your eyes met again like they had done behind that fence of your friend's house all those years before. And then you laid the palm branch on the road before him as he entered through the city gates. That was ahead of you. That was, that was ahead of Jesus. You were someone ahead on the road to Jerusalem. Did you like being young again? Now you're someone behind Jesus. Now you're old, okay? You're like 50. Now, <laughs> many of you don't think 50 is old, and it's not, okay? That's just a little more than a decade away from me, okay? But in the ancient world, where life expectancy was between 25 and 30, if you're 50, you're a dinosaur, okay? So, you're a 50-year-old dinosaur living in a small town next to Jerusalem called Bethpage. You were there when there, were only, there was no stoplights. It was only mom and pop stores. And just like the bar and cheers, everybody knows your name in Bethpage. But during Holy Week, ooh, people flood into your tiny village and they mess up your town. You hate Holy Week. Travelers from all over stomp the dirt around Bethpage and they disrupt the simple life that you have. You love the simple life. You don't need all the hubaloo, hubaloo, hubaloo. I don't know what it says. I don't know what it is. You don't need all that stuff. You love the simple life. You're just fine with you and your wife. It's always been just you two. You were unable to have children, which in the ancient world was a disgrace. It was a sign that God had cursed you. So it's been you and your wife for nearly 40 years. No children, but you've had your donkey, Mary Bell. Yeah, you loved Mary Bell. <laughs> Mary Bell was like a daughter to you. In the first Mary Bell, it, she was taken by Rome when you couldn't pay your taxes. And you thought, it's like as if you had lost a child. You didn't know if you were ever gonna recover, but not two weeks later, some random donkey was grazing uh, in, on your field. And when no one claimed her, you, you took her in. She became Mary Bell number two. Uh, you weren't sure you're going to make it, but no. She became, Mary Bell number two became a great source of joy for you and your wife. Now, Mary Bell two was much more adventurous than Mary Bell number one. Well, one time, she drank two gallons of wine from an open jar. She, she acted like a real jackass that night. Um, (laughs) 
But you were there to give her Pepto-Bismol the next morning as she recovered. One time, just last year, Mary Bell too went missing for a couple of days and you thought you had lost her again. And when she came back, you vowed that, that she, she's never getting out again. But then she started to put on weight. Mary Bell too was pregnant. And at first you were offended. We can't have kids, but our sneaky little adventurous donkey can go out and have kids. <laughs> but then the baby cult arrived and you realized it was a godsend. There finally was a baby around the house. And you were so protective of this baby donkey. Visitors, businessmen would offer you lots of money for the donkey, but there was no amount of money that you could get that would make you lose Mary Bell or her baby. One time a Roman garrison uh, marched through Bethpage and you hid your donkeys in the outhouse. Two donkeys stuck together in this tiny little outhouse. And you became so protective of the baby donkey that you and your wife made a commitment Nobody will ever ride this baby donkey. No one. Nobody did. We can ride Mary Bell because, remember, you're 50. Okay, that's too fragile to go to the market. So you can ride Mary Bell. Nobody's riding our colt. No one will ever ride the baby Seabiscuit. That's what you named him. <laughs> you, named, you named him, I didn't. Then came Passover week, and thousands walked through Bethpage onwards to, towards Jerusalem. And you and your wife, you hate Holy Week, so you tie up your donkeys real good, and you retreat inside the house, watching the donkeys from the window just to make sure everything's okay as thousands of people march onward into Jerusalem. And then, as Matthew and Mark put it in their Gospels, Jesus said to his disciples, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. The colt has never been ridden. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. They went and found the donkey and her colt outside the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied them, some people standing there, that's you, said, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Why'd you let those men take Mary Bell and Seabiscuit? Something within you gave you peace about it. Something within you nudged your soul. Something within you emboldened your spirit. But you didn't stay home that Passover and sulk, bitter at the crowds passing through your small town, 
No, you followed behind Jesus on the road to Jerusalem. There was something true about this moment. There was something beautiful about this man. Though you were an outcast who was seemingly cursed by God, now you were drawn to Jesus. And you and your wife sang as you had never sung before. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I want to invite Noe in the band to come up. You were ahead of Jesus, Palm Sunday, as a teenage boy. You were behind Jesus as an elderly couple following him into the city. Where are you on this Palm Sunday? And I just want to get personal with you guys right now. I've had a bit of a rough relationship with Palm Sunday over the years. It's hard for me to join in singing Hosanna because many of the same people who sang Hosanna to Jesus and laid out their palms and their coats were the same people who did nothing when he was crucified on Friday. This day is a bit of an enigma. It perplexes and it troubles me because I know that despite their praise, which Christ is due, they will kill him. They will call for his beating and torment. They will answer Pilate with the horrible words, crucify him. How can I celebrate alongside those who are blinded to the very salvation they're crying out for, Hosanna? Can I join in their worship, their praise of God? And perhaps that's the beauty of Palm Sunday, that despite the ignorance, Christ rode on through the adorning crowd to die at the place of the skull. He knew what was going to happen during that triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He knew the cross was before him. And because he so loved the boy who saw Jesus heal the crippled woman, because he so loved the elderly couple who couldn't have kids, and because he so loved the Roman soldier who walked away from him, and because he so loved you, and because he so loved me, he rode to the city where the sins of the world would be nailed to that old rugged cross. But death and violence wouldn't have the final word because Sunday was coming. God's power was on its way. Death wasn't the end. Resurrection is coming. And the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, lives in me. We can't save ourselves. Only Jesus saves. So we join with the crowd of sinners and we stand and we sing Hosanna. Hosea. 
one more time. Sing, break my heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As I walk from earth. city of God. We welcome you to our city here. We welcome you to this church. We welcome you into our homes and we welcome you into our very souls. Hosanna, Lord save us. We can't do it alone. So God, this week, as we enter Holy Week, many of us are off of school. Many of us are home with a bunch of kids. God, we pray in Jesus name that this week we pause and we say, Lord, save us. Save us from our own bad decisions. And God, as we look to the cross on Good Friday, we know that that's not the end of the story. That resurrection is coming. That Sunday's around the corner. The grave couldn't hold you. Death couldn't conquer you. We thank you for the victory we have in Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. So God, move us, stir us, draw us closer to you as we move towards celebrating your resurrection, the resurrection of the Son of God next Sunday. In Jesus' name, all God's people declared, amen, amen, amen. amen. We can clap, that's okay. We can clap. God bless you. Enjoy your Sunday. Grab flyers on your way out. Uh, and, and invite all your peeps. Peace to the Middle East. Bye-bye. <laughs>